and welcome to the Meditation Conversation. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and I'm so pleased today to have Ben Decker joining. He's joining us from LA, and he's the author of several books, including Practical Meditation for Beginners and the newly released Modern Spirituality. He's a social activist, a meditation teacher, an energy worker, and an entrepreneur. I think the list goes on and on. And <laughs> so, but welcome, Ben. It's a joy to have you on. Yeah, so happy to be here. Thank you, Kara. Yeah, and we were we were kind of joking before we started recording. Mercury is in retrograde as we um, are recording this, and it is like very evident as we've tried to step into this recording because we're kind of having jerky audio. And so we're just going to play and see how things go. And hopefully, you know, hopefully this will all be very seamless and you won't even be able to tell. But if if the audio catches, just bear with us and and forgive us with those big hearts of yours. <laughs> so I, um, I loved the universal principles of truth, which were the cornerstones of your book, Modern Spirituality. And it suggests that you're a student of the world and that you've sought understanding through many traditions. So um, can we just start by you sharing a bit about your life, maybe some of your early experiences with spirituality and how it's evolved through your life? Yes, definitely. You know, I think... Um... I think we're we're all we have a couple things in common. All of us we're born into a world where um, we have telecommunications that no other generation before us has ever had, and um, I think because of that, uh, so much of what we know about culture, society, language, food, fashion, and spirituality uh, is is more diverse and and more advanced in some ways than, than ever before. Mm. And so for me, I was, you know, born in the eighties, um, to parents who were born in the sixties, you know, mm. and, um, and so that even just knowing what took place in the sixties, knowing sort of the, the, the melting pot that my parents were born into, and then, you know, being a generation from that, realizing that we're in many ways, the circumstances we're born into are the product of that. Um, and I think more and more people relate to the fact of being a student of the world, like you mentioned. Um, and so for me, I was raised by a woman named Karma. Oh, love it. <laughs> and, um, and a man, I know, right? And a man named Jeff, you know, so Jeff Decker is a descendant of uh, Zachariah Decker, uh, who's a big uh, historical uh, member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, you know, Lucy Decker and Clara Decker married, they were both wives of Brigham Young. Oh. Um, you know, so there's a, there's a large, there's a lot of family history in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which I know you and I have spoken of because we recently, in the last few years, built a temple in the city you live in. Yeah, just down the street. Um, and so I the, can, uh, yeah, I can see the light in my in my neighborhood at night. It's beautiful. Yeah, well, I'm glad you like it. Not everybody likes it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, so, yeah, the, uh, the idea of being born into a global organized religion like that, especially a young religion, 
uh, about 200 years old, um, especially having my family be so involved in the founding and the creation of the church. I think that gave me um, a signal that this is a small world. Um, and, uh, you know, I was always very interested in all of the different things that are exotic, um, different cultures. I loved Aladdin when I was a kid. I know it sounds almost culturally insensitive to say that Disney helped introduce me to different cultures. Um, but, but it's true. You know, my, you know, my mother being named Karma, we had all kinds of Buddhist books around the house. You know, really? she introduced me That's to the beautiful. concept of Karma just by, just by the fact that her mother named her that, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I took, I took an interest in all of those things, uh, really, really young around my teens. I really started to sort of soften into myself more. And then over, you know, my twenties and then thirties, you know, you become more and more you if you're doing it right, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think as I become more and more who I am more and more me, um, I realize I, I am a multicultural, multidimensional people person in my heart. I may not be fully in the expression of that. I may not speak tons of languages or anything like that. But I do remember around around my teens. That's when I started to. Uh, I, that, uh, age twelve, I entered the priesthood. Oh um, really? Eight, wow. Yes, and age fourteen, I um, started to perform uh, ordinances in the temple mm -hmm. called uh, baptisms for the dead. And, and those are really similar in a lot of ways to the heart of the Eastern traditions, concept of ancestor purification and ancestor atonement rituals. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think a lot of those things really introduce you to the cosmic and to the, and to the unknown and the infinite, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, the rest is history, you know, became a hypnotherapist, became a meditation teacher, became a yoga instructor, became a Reiki master. Um, very interested in society, politics, philosophy, the way these higher ideals of the different spiritual traditions find their way into our lives and into society. Mm -hmm. And um, had the wonderful privilege of working with Marianne Williamson on both her congressional campaign and her presidential campaign. And um, learn so much from her. Learn yeah. so much about the world and introductions to different people and books and, and ideas, you know. And so I think that this whole concept of modern spirituality is less about what I'm bringing to the table and more about something that I'm articulating that that's already very widespread. Um, that I that I think and hope through my articulation of it and and my experience of it and me sharing my experience of it that more people will be able to connect to their own authentic relationship to it all. That, that's beautiful. And, and that comes through very clearly because I loved this um, universality that you bring to, to, the, uh, to the book as far as addressing a higher power, you know, you throughout the book, you're you're using like Holy Spirit, Great Spirit, God, the universe, higher self, there are all kinds of different ways that you're labeling, for lack of a better word, this higher power, which makes it more accessible, because then it's not that pressure of God, you know, if that's a, a hard word for somebody. 
Um, I'm also a meditation teacher, and I find that I'm constantly treading that line between invoking a higher intelligent power in my classes and the group meditations because there's just such there's there's so much more powerful when we're all kind of opening up to something higher but also then not wanting to alienate people who don't resonate with religion or or have like trigger words you know or that they're so steeped in their own viewpoints when it comes to God, that they're very tied to one facet of it, you know, and that's like what is correct. Um, but, you know, sometimes people are interested in meditation or, or spirituality, um, but they don't, but they're maybe resistant to anything that can't be understood through the five traditional senses you know, or they've experienced trauma related to religion, and then that causes a resistance. So I wondered if that was kind of part of the reason for the universal approach, where you're wanting people to have like a higher intelligent power, that maybe that's a new way for them, or, you know, they're new, like broadening what that could look like, um, which mm-hmm. might be less triggering, more inviting to people or... I mean, you're you're articulating it perfectly. You know, uh, like the great wise mythic character Mary Poppins once said, <laughs> a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, you know. Yeah. Um, a spoonful of sugar, um, I, my goal, yes, was to be very gentle uh, in my introduction because in my introduction to the higher power and my discussion around the higher power, really because I think that that's how the higher power um, has worked with me most effectively, mm-hmm. gently, lovingly, um, as a comforting, peaceful presence. And, and, um, and so I choose intentionally to use different words because one or two of them may resonate with the reader. Um, three or four of them may help the reader see that higher power in a different way. Um, and uh, it's, it's like a script. The reader gets to understand this language in a different way. And when they hear another person say higher nature or God or the Holy Spirit or whatever, the, the reader is now going to have a relationship to those words that may or may, that may be a little bit different than before having read the book. You know? mm. I, I heard it's... Ace and Marianne Williamson said together, they're amazing. They're amazing. I heard them in a conversation together, and Caroline was talking about um, theology and, and how we need a modern theology. And that's not really the, the approach that I was taking. I was taking a modern practice. Uh, but she was saying, look, a, a modern theology and modern theological recalibration needs to happen so that the um, modern spirituality can, can better manifest. Um, mm. And so, so what I see is this notion that we, we have a new kind of theology, a new doctrine, a new dogma um, manifesting that will give us a little bit of a better understanding of the world, more integrated and, and complete um, than what we've seen in the past. 
Mm. When you were telling that, you were saying it was Marion Williamson, and then who was the other person? The other person was Caroline Mace, M-Y-S-S. Okay. And it's actually the first episode of Marianne Williamson's new podcast. Oh. And, and they were talking about, um, you know, as a, as a theologian, Caroline is a theologian, um, and the, dis- the difference between theology and spirituality and um, how there does need to be, there's a new incarnation and a new expression of theology that's, that's more global that um, includes biology, that includes physiology, that is um, psychologically sound being born. And, um, and I feel like um, I appreciate that. And while all the theologians are, are writing those, those um, you know, the new treatise on the new world theology um, and as an individual being able to Find out what that means for you, regardless of what books may ever say about it. Mm. Yeah, I love that. That's wonderful. One of the one of the things with your book, with um, its ability to really help people on their spiritual quest and taking the the these tools, the, this universal approach I don't even know I mean it is universal yes but it's really kind of pulling these truths that are from you know they cross traditions and then finding like okay this is what it's called in this tradition and it's the same thing as what it's called over here and um but you take it deeper than that because there's the the concepts and the philosophy um, but there are exercises throughout the book that support the context and then allows the reader to put into play these ideas and the skills that are found throughout the book. And I didn't know if you wanted to talk a little bit about kind of what your goal is for the reader, because it really does go beyond just these parallels and these broader truths. So what, what's your vision for what the reader will get? Well, in my experience, um, I've had a number of spiritual transformative, spiritually transformative experiences. And, um, you know, some of them are um, in meditation, some of them are in nature, some are, some of them are because of heartbreak and grief, and loss, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I wanted to do was compile the best of the best, um, and the most practical. And I, and I really meditated on what what a, a 21st century and beyond person's spiritual practice might look like. Um, I took basic things into account like nutrition and um, self-care, your self-care. Why does it matter? Why does it, you know, how can we work with the shower? You know, we see in, in the ancient traditions, a baptismal ritual, um, you wear all white, you go into the water, you're baptized in the water, you're purified. Um, you know, we, we take all our clothes off and go into the shower every day, practically, you know, mm-hmm. um, that can be a spiritual practice that can really be something that physiologically and psychologically and spiritually can come together and, um, and really enhance our day, really enhance our lives, help us show up better 
to make better decisions for ourselves. And that's just the tiniest little um, perspective shift while we're, while we're taking that shower, you know? Mm. Um, so my goal with the book was really to say, look, life can be very challenging in this world, but you have great powers and there are great resources and this world is built for you. There are mysteries for you to uncover and here are some clues. So all the exercises um, also have a have some flexibility. It's like choose your own adventure. Mm. If you if you are really uh, let's say Christian, for example, if you're really Christian, then every one of these exercises can be very Christ centered for you. Mm. And if you're if you're more of a spiritual but not religious person, and and Jesus is not your thing, then this can really be about you connecting to whatever you find your spirituality and remember when I was a little kid learning about G had a vision and an angel came to her and said that she would have a son and his name would be Jesus and he would be the savior of the world and and then I remember learning that this guy who we call Jesus was never named Jesus (laughs) that that name that that name showed up in a translation somewhere and I and, you know, there's a song, a very popular Christian, like, rock and roll worship song. It's popular today. And one of the lyrics is, there is power in the name of Jesus. And every time I hear it, I'm like, that was his name. <laughs> yeah. You mean Yeshua? <laughs> you know? And um, <laughs> exactly. <it's> like, <laughs> the infinite was there before human language ever existed and God was there and and spirit was there and life and the creator and the universe was all there before human language and names as we know them were created. Mm -hmm. So what we call God and what we call the spirit, these are, these are for you. These words are for, for me and for you. And they're for us, help us connect to something that doesn't care what we call it. Mm. there's there's god's not like you know what i don't like that you you know some people goddess um there's a friend of mine always says oh my goddess Uh. and (laughs) and i don't i don't think that you know when you're praying if you say dear heavenly father you know i i have all these challenges you know i trust you with them lead me guide me walk beside me you know, I believe in you. Give me faith. Amen. Or if we say, Heavenly Mother, I trust you. Heavenly Mother, lead me, guide me, walk beside me. I trust you. Amen. I, I, I think it's about us mm-hmm. and it's about our heart and it's about expanding our understanding of the infinite. And, um, and so I tried to, without hitting that too intellectually, without going too hard in that, even though that that's an area I like to go. The book wasn't about that. It's not, it's, it is an intellectually simulating book. I think you'll agree, but Mm -hmm. it's also intended to be about you really, really creating the circumstances where you can experience something supernatural, something spiritual. Right. I agree. And I, you're meeting people where they are and then not, allowing them to shut down if they come across something that's not comfortable, you know, with yeah, that example. It's you know? Yes. It's empowering. 
thing. That's something. The idea that I... is like, look, you're right. You're right. What you already believe is right. Yeah. And also, a lot of other things are right. Yeah. Yeah. And that that was the empowerment piece is so evident, which I really appreciate because um, in the spiritual world and the religious world, we can really have a tendency to hand power over to others. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, we really do need to take back that power. That's there's not going to be spiritual growth without claiming and stepping into our power. You also have a lot of um, focus on dealing with hardships, which is par for the course. I mean, that is that is life, right? So there's a lot of like practical um, taking spiritual insight and applying it to how to overcome hardships. And then there's also a healing element to the book where it's, you know, really trying to propel people into healing. So um one of the things that you mentioned earlier in our discussion at the beginning about kind of ancient traditions and ancient wisdom, ancient teachings, and and it makes me think about you talk about initiation and how going through tests and challenges is is an initiation in in modern times. And when I think of initiation, you know, I'm also a Reiki master, you know, that type of thing comes to mind as far as modern initiation. But I, I tend to think more of like shamanic traditions or ancient traditions where initiation is is more prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I loved that linking just everyday tests and challenges or those big life tests and challenges being like an initiation so how can we frame life's hardships as like rites of passage or initiations? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's so important to realize that, um, you know, as, as imperfect as our ancestors were, they were, they were just people mm-hmm. and, and they were trying so hard, you know, mm-hmm. and they, they faced extraordinary hardships just to create this world as imperfect as it is this world where we could even have um, the extraordinary magic and, and um, technology and privileges that we, that many of us have access to today. Um, And when we look at one of the, one of the concepts and principles that seem to be universal across all of the different traditions is this concept of the rites of passage. Mm -hmm. Um, The rites of passage are so important for us to, to, close one chapter and another and and it's kind of like the initiation of joining a club or 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 getting a new job you have training and then you're on the job and and now you're working and now you have to know how to do that you have to know how to run the cash register you have to know how to clock in and clock out you have to know what the uniform is you have to you know, the initiation is that initiatory component, the initial, the beginning. Mm-hmm. And when we look at our lives, some of the bigger life challenges, like you said, um, are the more obvious initiations. Um, uh, let's, let's say a few obvious ones and then scale it back to the less obvious. More, the most obvious would be, hi, you have to wear the special robe, the special ceremonial robe and go into the temple and fast. And there's going to be priests and, and people facilitating this magical initiatory ritual, you know, Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. um, that would be the most obvious. And then, you know, of course, like when you're initiated as a Reiki practitioner, Reiki one, two, three, um, each one of those has an attunement initiation. Mm -hmm. And um, and then let's scale back a little a little further. Nature, more of the shamanic traditions. Yes, the shamanic traditions have um, like the vision quest initiation ceremonies, um, but but the purpose of that is direct experience. There's something that can only happen after you've done it. Mm-hmm. And um, there's something I can sit here and talk all day about childbirth, um, but I will never truly initiate into motherhood in that way mm-hmm. and and we know that childbirth is one small part of motherhood um conception pregnancy all that comes with pregnancy labor childbirth and then child rearing actually raising that child going through the initiatory process the first time the child yells back is an initiation mm-hmm. potty training that child is an initiation for both the child and the parent you know, um, learning to drive, all these things are some of the bigger initiations. And then let's scale back, let's scale in one more layer. Um, moving to a new house, um, changing our diet, beginning a new nutrition plan, uh, picking up a new book. These are all initiations into new chapters of our lives. And so what we need to do now is to, we need to learn to self-initiate into the path of the priestess or the sage or the, or the, you know, the rabbi, so to speak, um, where we say, look, I'm the rabbi for my life. I'm the rabbi for my family. And, and I'm going to really since take that, take that responsibility on with, with great respect and sincerity. And, and I'm going to really tune into what it means to, to listen to a higher power. And no one can tell you how, how the spirit will speak to you. You know, you've got to listen. And, and you can, can prove it. You've got to try. You've got to go out on a limb. You've got to take risks. You have to have faith. And, and faith-promoting experiences can be as little as saying, you know what, I'm going to make this tweak to my self-care routine. You know what, I'm going to navigate this relationship just a little bit differently. I'm going to, um, it sounds kind of funny, but if you decide you're going to start exfoliating, <laughs> it sounds like a total joke, sounds like I'm joking, but <laughs> if you say I'm going to exfoliate, <laughs> you're initiating Something can be made metaphysical about that. As you exfoliate, you don't need to be thinking just about how you're going to have smaller pores and less dead skin and even skin tone or whatever those things are. Those are the lowest level of exfoliation. But when you're exfoliating, you can actually say, I'm open to seeing things differently. I'm open to navigating things differently. Not only am I washing away the dead skin cells, I'm actually washing away the old ways of approaching things. And I'm allowing myself to not only be made new in a ritual baptism, I'm allowing myself to be made new every time I do the laundry, every time I clean the kitchen, every time I, every time I get my car serviced, I'm making things new. How can, I, how can I mutate and adapt and evolve? Because we do need an acceleration of that in this time. Mm-hmm. You know, we need an acceleration of those ad- adaptations. Right. And I think too, you know, you take it even a step beyond 
that in your in the book where you're you're talking about these tests come upon us like the real challenges that come out maybe even they come out of the blue a big mm-hmm. illness or grief or you know a relationship change or something that, that these are chances for us to be initiated into something new like okay it's like the universe saying okay you you have what you need to to navigate this now go you know yes yes one of my favorite thank you yeah I agree with that one of the things that I really like is uh, a definition I think it just like you know when you study all these different things it's hard to take credit for any idea you know it's like Mm -hmm. it's like no one ever please quote me just whatever. They're just ideas. I, I can't claim ownership over any of them um, because I just want to talk about the truth. So the truth, no one has a corner on, you know. Mm. Um, but one of these concepts that I love is um, the notion of, of real personal revelation. Um, and that is that life reveals secrets to you personally. Um, intimately all the time. And um, the definition of an initiation that just sort of dumped out of my mouth one day was that an initiation is the activation of all that you've accumulated and learned. So you've learned that. that that's, that's how you've learned how to run the cash register. You've learned what the uniform is. You've learned how to deal with a difficult customer. But now is the first day on the job. Did you wear the right uniform? Did you clock in correctly? Are you using the cash register correctly? Are you processing all the transactions correctly? I always use a cashier as an example since, since we often engage with cashiers so, so regularly. And also that was my first job ever oh, was yeah. <laughs> at a grocery store. <laughs> well, actually a bagger at a grocery store. Uh. A bagger first, first, when I was 12, yeah. Oh. And um you know, the, yeah, labor laws have changed, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, the, but it did help me grow up, I think. And, and it did initiate me into interacting with adults in, in the world. And, um, and that was also the same age I w- became, I, I entered the priesthood. I, so I was, made that connection. I was like, you were very busy when you were 12. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, that was an age where it was like 12 was the age where you could legally work and 12 was the age where you could enter the priesthood. And I did both right on time. Wow. Right on schedule. Bravo. <laughs> Bravo to my parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they set all that up. They made it all happen, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it, the, the initiation is, you know, we're always learning little things. And then we and we accumulate knowledge and resources. And then uh, in certain key points, they're activated. When you are pushing the child through the birth canal, you better use that Lamaze breathing. Mm. You already learned it. Mm-hmm. Activate Lamaze now. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. The moment comes. The moment right. Comes. I love that. That's great. Um, and I mentioned earlier that you also have this focus on healing that runs through the book as well. And I loved when you were talking about moving through pain and you liken psychological wounds to our physical wounds. And you talk about disinfecting by clearing away judgments and then nurturing the wound by allowing things to process and then not continuing to pick at it, at a psychological Mm -hmm. wound, by dwelling Mm -hmm. on it 
or repeating it in our minds. And you talk about the metaphysical perspective that once atonement has been activated, you can begin to move forward and you mustn't wait for an apology from others before we move forward with our own healing. And I'm going to quote you here because I I wrote it down. So here we go. You said, I can't quote you, but I'm going to. Watch me. (laughs) You say, healing is our job. Witness your pain for yourself. Feel it. Experience it. Be fearless. Be brave. Be over it. And I think that's just such a beautiful invitation for readers to embrace their power. You know, you're not waiting for somebody to do something to make it better for you. You know, you don't need that apology. You don't need them to admit that they were wrong or to to prove how sorry they are or whatever. You know, you're you're not waiting on the external. Healing is our job. Um, And then that, you know, following that all the way through to like, you know, look at it, see it, feel it, be it, and then be over it. You know, don't hold yeah. on to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's always easier on the outside to say things like that. You know, but when you're you're the one who's got tears in your eyes and and weight in your heart, it's not that easy to say mm-hmm. be over it. Yeah, you know? and I, I I hear that. You know, and 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 the that's why I, I call it the art of healing. Um, it, it is our job and our responsibility, but it's also our masterpiece. Yes. And um, it's our project. You know, the way, the way we heal is highly personal. And, and whenever we, you know, I love Carl Jung's work with the archetypes and um, I, I just like sent him so much love and respect from, you know, beyond the grave because he's, I feel like he's been a teacher to me, um, even though I never spoke his language and I never lived in his era. Um, but he, he said, um, let me see if I can quote it correctly. No matter, I'm, I'm not going to quote it correctly. So I give up on trying you to quote it. Paraphrase. <laughs> yeah. Let me paraphrase. The, the principle is that, when you are operating in an archetype and anything you do within that archetype affects all other identical archetypes. So the example that comes to my mind is every time, you know, this, the, the archetypal narrative of the David and Goliath, Goliath is this huge warrior. David is this young person who's, you know, frankly, not really a warrior and kind of ill-prepared in in some ways. Every time a David defeats a Goliath, all Davids are empowered Mm. and all Goliaths are weakened. So it's this notion that whatever you're going through, it's not just for you, it's for all of us. Whatever addiction, whatever pain, whatever heartbreak, you know, when when a woman, an example Marianne Williamson used, um, someone asked me today, is it true that you're in love with Marianne Williamson? And I just said, unequivocally, yes. Hello. <laughs> Who isn't? She's beautiful. She's great. I know. She, 
she's fabulous, you know, uh, and such a wonderful person. And, and, uh, you know, the example that she uses that I just love, um, I hope she doesn't mind me quoting her constantly. Um, she, <laughs> she, she said, you know, if you're a woman who uh, just is back at work after maternity leave, and you would rather be back with your kid, you don't feel ready, it feels too soon. It's not just about you, it's about all women. Mm. Um, it's about all young mothers. It's all about, it's about all new mothers who, who didn't get that enough time, you know, with their kid. It's about, it's not just about you not having money to pay your bills right now. It's about everyone who doesn't have money to pay their bills right now, you know? Yeah. Um, it's a unifying and archetypally, um, you know, it's like a fractal. Right. Where it's happening somewhere, it's happening everywhere, you know? And so our decisions from a medical, metaphysical perspective, our, dis, our decisions, even in those little moments, are, are very, very crucial. And, and something Catherine Woodward Thomas, who wrote a beautiful book called Calling in the One, she also wrote Conscious Uncoupling. Um, and I think she's got a third book coming out. She came to me after I had my heart broken. I was in love and we broke up and my heart was broken. And Catherine held my hand and said a prayer with me. And she said, look, Ben, we don't, we don't have this all figured out. We don't have relationships figured out. We don't have heartbreak figured out. Anything you do to figure this out, the more sincere you are in figuring this out for yourself right now, it goes into the collective for all of us. I love that. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's like the the waters rise and it lifts all boats, you know? It's, yes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful and so true. And that's where I think the art of healing comes in. It's like, you know, what kind of artist are you? You know, for me, that has been the artistic inspiration for my healing journey, uh, that I know it's not just about me, that I'm not alone in it, even if I'm literally physically alone Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, you know, just the other day I, I was sitting at the beach and I just had this urge to cry. And, and I often tell people, look, you've got enough people telling you it's okay to cry. I'm going to tell you it's okay to be strong. <laughs> <laughs> I said, there's enough people telling you it's okay to be weak. I'm going to tell you it's okay to be powerful. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I, I kind of had that divine masculine thing where it's like, you know what? I get it, sweetheart. I'm so sorry. Let me give you a hug. Pat, pat, pat. Now drop and give me 20. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I literally have a personal habit. I'm not a big, I'm not a, like a big buff guy. I'm a fit person, but I'm not like a bodybuilder or anything. When I feel that emotion coming up and I want to cry, I drop and do 20 push-ups. Mm. And I get a release out of it. I get strengthened out of it. I get like a dopamine hit and um, I don't need to cry. I feel, I, feel in, I feel strengthened. But just the other day, I was thinking about these elections and, and I saw on Instagram, it was, it was like God put it there for me. I saw one person saying, this Supreme Court thing is a travesty. This person's crazy. This new justice is like so radical. And then the immediate next post in my feed was, 
God is so good. Thank you, God, for this justice. She's a, she loves God. She's a good woman. And then the very next one after that was, please pray. This woman's crazy. She's going to ruin America. And then the very next one, four posts in a row, alternating, positive, negative, positive, negative, all about the same person, total extremes. Mm. And it was so powerful. And I felt the passion and the energy from both sides and the sincerity from both sides. And I knew that there was just deception all over the place, misunderstanding all over the place, fear all over the place. And I just sat there on at the beach. You know, I live in Venice Beach. I got to go. I get at least one sunset a week on, on the sand. Beautiful. Not to brag, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, when you've got it, you better get it, you know. Yes, and, take um, advantage of it for all of us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I and I went there and I just, I just, I had finished everything for the day and I just wept mm. and I just cried and I just thought about the wars and the chaos and the lies and the riots and I thought about all these well-meaning people that are just happily making these decisions that are that are hurting people and and I just I just took a minute for myself to experience it and and even Jesus wept you know it says mm. in the bible um I I would give you the verse but I'll get it wrong and someone will send me a mean email about it <laughs> um, but in the king james version somewhere in john it literally says an entire verse is Jesus wept right and and the the traditional languaging is he wept quote unquote for the sins of the world and the way i see that is i was weeping for the sins of the world i was weeping for the mistaken ideas and beliefs that have caused suffering and i think and i think that was part of my art of how i was healing i had you know a lot of times i i try to stay strong and it's almost it's it's almost superhuman and people are like you're you're what are you an alien how are you doing all this you know and i had to have a moment where it's like you know what look maybe i am an alien from another dimension sent to save the world like some people jokingly say i am but in this moment i'm actually just a person who makes all kinds of mistakes, who's on my own healing journey. And this moment, I don't quite know what to do. And that made me cry, just not knowing, you know. And I think yeah. the art is allowing us to be in that uncertainty space sometimes. Right, right. And, and witnessing and feeling it and not feeling like we have to push it away because it's going to, it either gets processed and released or it, it doesn't, you know, and it, it's gonna, it can keep that shadow there. Um, and, and what I love about taking control, you know, you mentioned before about mastery. It's, this isn't, it's not easy. It's not like, okay, you know, exactly like dust your hands off and be done with it now. You know, you had to cry and, right. and now you're done, you know, and it, it's not that easy. And we all know it's not easy. And, and, but this is the path of mastery. You know, it, it is, it's not meant to be easy it, and you have to stick to mm -hmm. it and be diligent and keep going through it and keep 
you know, keep witnessing and keep refining. And, um, but, but I do love that, you know, highlight there of it's not up to the external to make things okay for you. You know, don't wait Mm -hmm. until everything's lined up outside of yourself and it's all perfect and, you know, and people are no longer taking advantage of each other for their own gain or, you know, or that, or if you want to take it down to the personal level, you know, that person finally said they were sorry and now you can move on, you know, Mm -hmm. and now you can start healing. And it's like, no, you know, the mastery is come inside, witness it, feel it, experience it. And, and be willing to, to know when it's time to let that go. And that is where you will start to heal. But just holding on and thinking like, I can't, not until the external gets in line, you know, not right. until this is reflected outside of me, how it's supposed to be, then I'll line up inside. It's like, right. that's not the art of healing, you know? Right. <laughs> and what, what I, first of all, I love, I love the way that you're, that you're framing all of that and, and the way you, you're, you're speaking uh, really eloquently. I think that there's um, a lot of m- magic, I guess you could say, in being over it. Mm. And, and it's not about pretending it never happened, but it's about being the person that went through that and came out on the other side. Yes. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know? Yeah. It's like we... We, um, you know, I remember when somebody that I loved died by suicide. Mm. And I, and I, I share a couple things, you know, this is my fourth book. This is the first time I share a couple things like that. This one, you're going to get to know me a little bit more than the other ones. Mm -hmm. Um, And my journey, uh, what taught me these things. And I felt, I felt like, no, it didn't need to be biographical, but I felt like some of these little anecdotes would help illustrate some of the concepts for the reader. Um, and, uh, you know, when, when you're, when you experience a suicide of a loved one, suicide changes and, um, it, it enters into your universe in a new way. And I had heard of it and I had seen it and it was sad. And I, had my own, you know, bouts with depression um, throughout my life and had my own uh, suicidal ideation at, at certain moments, uh, you know, my own dark night of the soul, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not one dark night, you know. If you're yeah. doing it right, there's going to be a few. Yeah. And, um, and as much as you don't want to say that, as much as you, you look at these young children and you don't ever want to tell them, but you do need to tell them, they need to be, they need to be, they need to hear your encouraging words echo in their hearts and minds when they, when they're going through their dark night, you know, we need to tell them it's going to happen. And that even when it's happening, they're going to be strong. You know what my mother told me? Hmm. She said, I was like, everything's falling apart and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sad and this is falling apart and I'm not good at this. And, and this isn't happening. And, and, you know, having a moment. And Mm -hmm. she said, you need to tell those thoughts to go to hell because that's where they came from. (laughs) See, leave it to karma. 
to say yep. something so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it was perfect. Yeah. And it's it's exactly what I needed because it wasn't heavy. Um but it but it wasn't afraid of the dark either, mm. you know. Yeah. And um and that's, you know, that that is what it what it kind of does come down to. It's like these challenges, look, it's an it's a game, you know, some people can say life is a game, like Florence Scovel Shin, the game of life and how to play it, you know, that's a classic. Um, some people say life is a battle, some people say life is a test. I say it's all of it. Whatever helps you get through it, it's all of it. But what I became after that experience with my friend's suicide was I became a person who had his heart broken from suicide. Mm -hmm. And I had to go through, I had to become a person who learned about grief. I had to become a person who healed from grief and processed grief. And now because of that, I now have spiritual authority in the area of grief, particularly around suicide. No. And um, that's a profound way to frame that. And I appreciate you writing about that in your book, because I, you know, my sister-in-law committed suicide four years ago. And I'm so sorry to hear that. Thank you. And it was a it, that was an initiation. I mean, if we put this back into the framing mm -hmm. of your book, that was certainly an initiation. And it was it, it was, you know, it was it changed everything, you know, it it really propelled a lot of change for a lot of people. And, and I loved her very much. And, um, and, and it, and you're right. It's like, you get into this, like, you get so close to something that you understand in concept and then you, and then it's in all of a sudden you're in it, you know, it's like, Oh, everything just, yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, someone I love so much now is is gone for one thing. They're gone and that's how they're gone. And and it's so um it goes from something that you you hear about and it's kind of at arm's distance, but to have it like suddenly it's in your world and it's right there. And and uh yeah, it's it's it, it that is quite an initiation and it's um and it's difficult. I mean, it's difficult to, to talk about. And I always appreciate when people put it out there. And in fact, it's interesting that you brought it up because I just invited somebody this morning to be on the podcast um, to talk it through. And, uh, and it's somebody who, who speaks a lot about mental health. And, um, and I was like, you know, I don't, I don't really talk about it very much because it is such a... Um, I don't want to be flippant about it. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like, I don't want to just mention it really in passing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's like this precious thing mm -hmm. that I want to honor, you know, I want to honor her and I want to honor um, the, the, the weight of the topic, you know, um, but so I do appreciate you putting that in your book and, and, you know, letting that part of your biography be part of this beautiful, um, book for in, in service really for others. Yeah. Thank you. It. Yeah. I was really, 
impacted um, at the death of my friend. And um, I called Marianne. Mm -hmm. And um, she was so sweet and loving and gave me this beautiful prayer and prayed with me and introduced me to a man named David Kessler. And uh, David had written a number of books on grief and was uh, a major um, influence for me. He, I did his grief counselor trainings. He had coined the five stages of grief in his book that he co-wrote with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross on grief and grieving. Um, he had co-written a book with Louise Hay called You Can Heal Your Heart, um, written a number of books by himself, and uh, most recently wrote a book called Finding Meaning, The Sixth Stage of Grief. And um, it was really through David's work and through, again, his friendship and, and personal mentorship, similar to Marianne, um, that I really, you know, it's not like they sat there and they were like, you need to do this. And if you want to do this, this is, they just, they just were themselves mm -hmm. in the context of my life and my pain and my celebrations. And they were just there. They just existed with me, you know, mm -hmm. and, and um, to be, and I think one of the things we can stand to do is pay more attention to our elders. And look, I'm not talking about elderly people here. I'm talking, you know, David and Marianne are not elderly people, mm -hmm. um, but they're not young or inexperienced either. Right. They're, they're experienced. Um, they are elders. They do deserve a lot of respect. They do have um, extraordinary things that they, that they can transmit. And they've, they've changed my life personally. And it, if it wasn't for them, I, I don't, I, I couldn't even guess where I'd be now, um, particularly because of Andrew's death. Andrew was his name. Mm. That's beautiful. I, I, yeah, I love that being able to to lean on on people with more experience and and not feel that we're having to forge this new path completely on our own, you know, being able to, right. to lean on those with such high wisdom is such a blessing. I love that. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, that's everything. And I think that's what the goal really was with modern spirituality mm -hmm. is to bridge the gap between the um, generations that came before us and create an initiate a new conversation. Mm -hmm around all these things and create a field. It's like the field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. Mm -hmm. Creating a field where all of us are coming together, where we are exploring the art of healing. The, you know, the book is called Modern Spirituality, A Guide to the Heart of Mindfulness, Meditation, and the Art of Healing. So it's really the heart of these things. It's not the pedagogy of these things. It's not the dogma or the doctrine of these things. It's the essential heart, mm. um, which leaves a lot of room for you, the reader, um, for creative interpretation. Yes, that's beautiful. And it comes across so beautifully. So, so thank you again for writing this and for continuing to light this path for so many so that um, people can start to forge their their own version of 
of what spirituality means for them, you know, finding different, different pathways, different avenues to be able to express that divinity that's within each one of us. So it's, it's a beautiful work, and I highly recommend everybody check it out. I thank Thanks. you so much for being here, Ben. It was so nice to meet you and to talk with you. Yes, so great to meet you. So insightful. You have such wonderful things to say, and, and I know your, your listeners are so blessed by you and your show. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it, and I hope we can talk again. And thank Absolutely. you for listening, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation.